0: What is love? What is peace? What is sacrifice? What is patience? What is hope? And there may be many more we may be talking about for the series completes itself. But we did start last week with the beginning of the series and asking, what is love? And the text we chose to look at in reference to what is love came from 1 Corinthians 13, which was known, often regarded, labeled as the love chapter, which defined love much differently than the worldly, secular understanding. Because to the world, we've maybe even said before and heard it, well, love is a feeling. But Paul receives wisdom from God and defines love not as a feeling, but rather in chapter 13, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians, we read the last week we do it again today, just for remembering. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. That was our definition we found about love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. But notice, if you will, it says love is patient and love is kind. But the first word it says about love is patient. Patient. Now, there's another word arguably in our English language has lost its meaning. I mean, especially in the day we're living, this fast paced, hurry up, no waiting, everything at your fingertips, 5G world, no one wants to wait. Everybody's impatient. So we asked this morning, what is patience? What is patience? It's rare that people practice today. I found a quote on patience I'm going to share with you is that today, the use of the word patience, is at its lowest point than any other time in the last 500 years of recorded history. This is a telling commentary on on how society as a whole stands when it comes to patience. And I think that's completely accurate. I think it's completely true. We don't live in a very patient society. In fact, bumper stickers could be given to everyone to place on your vehicle that has two words. Frustration happens. Because every morning, even during the day, maybe even sometime during the night, there seems to be plenty of reasons to just get impatient. Like another long line, or the telemarkers just won't leave me alone. Or a goal we have in life that we have set out to achieve just is not materializing fast enough. And there's so much more that can actually add frustration to make us be impatient people. I mean, the truth of the matter is, we've actually, as a society at large, become too used to immediate results. The emails zip around the globe in seconds. You can get the temperature in cities across the world with just a click of the mouse. My phone, my phone actually has a weather app that gives me in a moment's notice all the weather at my favorite racetracks. That's important to know. I gotta know whether it's raining or not and what the temperature is. So just notice how everything, everything is either instant or just a click away. So patience. It's becoming a thing of the past. Or you may hear patience is something the old people have. Well, so today, we take a moment to define and discuss patience. We're going to compare the world's definition to the biblical definition. And we're going to conclude then that as believers, as followers, as disciples, we need to be more like Christ and exercise patience in our lives. Our text to help us with this journey is going to be from Psalm chapter 37, so stand with me this morning, if you're able to, as we look at only three verses of this particular psalm. Again, it's Psalm chapter 37, we're going to read verses 7 through 9. The psalmist writes in verse 7, Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from evil and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Well, Father, Lord, we do thank you for this series in which we've embarked on, Lord, to help us understand words that may have lost its meaning in our time today, like love and now today patience. We pray, Lord, that you lead and guide us and direct us with the message we shall receive today regarding patience, Lord, and I I pray that we see how we ultimately need to be more like Christ, and how we don't need to be so impatient in our lives, and how we need to rest and wait upon you, or let us wait upon you, that you lead and we will follow, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, before we maybe define patience and maybe do some little application, I think it's a little helpful to know a little information about the psalm. So the entirety, you may recognize this in your Bible that you have with you this morning, that the entirety of this particular psalm, Psalm 37, is 40 verses. Now, also, it is a psalm often referred to or often known as a wisdom psalm on keeping faith in the Lord when the wicked seem to be prospering. And we even catch a hint on that in the small section that we read. We only read three verses of the 40. We catch a little hint of the wicked prospering in the verses we read. But to make sense of the entire Wisdom Psalm, we need to really heed and understand the social setting. And the setting, as even we can discern in the three verses, is really quite simple. The setting is such. That the wicked are prospering and have wealth, while the righteous are not and have very little. Now a chief concern of the psalmist, which is most likely David according to the caption in the Bible, is that of possessing or inheriting the land. That in the verse 3, in fact, even adds, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfully. Now, that may may just merely suggest that the righteous who are living in the land, they're living in it, they're living in the land, but the wicked are its owners. I mean, throughout the entirety of the psalm, hints are given as to the injustice of the wicked over the righteous. That actually may point into the possibility of the legal issues that particular day, namely that the families who are the rightful owners of the land have lost it. The wealthy wicked. So, as a result, then the psalmist instructs the righteous to wait and trust upon the Lord. I mean, God does know all, He does see all. And so, He's saying, then in His particular timing, He who God will take care of the wicked who seemingly are prospering. Therefore, we go back to the text and begin to look at the very beginning of what we didn't read in chapter 37, verse 1 and 2. He just says simply to fret not, do not worry about, don't be overly concerned about the situation. And and verse 1, he says, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers. Verse 2, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb." So he's trying to tell them from the onset of the psalm to not be worried about the situation that's unfolding. And he's even then further trying to encourage the righteous the one they're being subjected to, to encourage the righteous. And repealing offers wonderful promises, several which have been favors of believers for years. In verse 4, he says, Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. People love that verse. Or verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. I mean, promises from God that will be fulfilled. And he encourages them with the fact that they have promises fulfilled and just wait patiently for the Lord, which goes back to verse 7. That God always keeps his promises. He's trying to encourage the righteous. He says, Rest, be still. He said, Be not angry over the situation. Do not seek revenge. And in due time, verse 9, God will cut off the evil. Thing. We need to take a little time out and kind of place ourselves for a moment in the text. And then place yourself there the best you can. I mean, if someone is truly, the wicked now has somehow taken the land from the people, put yourself in a position, because if someone had taken your land or some possession that you truly cherish or wronged you in some way, would you patiently wait for justice? And for that regard, if that matter, I mean, how often do we even wait? When something seems to go wrong, something goes awry in what we plan, how often do we wait? Because that is essentially what's happening here, perhaps, with the psalmist in in the situation of the text. I mean, the wicked seem to be prospering. The righteous seem to be taken advantage of. So observe that when when it happens to us, when someone takes advantage of us, or or even the society at large, when when they're taken advantage of, waiting is not common. Most people, yes, most people, when they're taken advantage of or being subject to something that they don't want to be part of, they don't like to wait. They're ready to pounce. They're ready to retaliate if they've been wrong somewhere. I mean, at the very least, they're wanting to take some sort of immediate action rather than wait. Now, when Charles Spurgeon studied this portion of the psalm prepared to preach it to his audience back in his day, he instructed his audience as such. He said, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Since anger will try to keep us company, we must resolvedly forsake it. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil many who have indulged a grumbling disposition have at least come to sin in order to gain their fancy rights. Now Spurgeon's comment and instruction here is kind of valid. I mean, very few people, if they're put in a situation where they're being taken advantage of, some possessions have been stolen, something had wronged you some way, very few people would wait before they act. Even fewer people would wait patient. Now we hear that, we must ask ourselves, well, why Why? why would we wait? Why would we hate to wait so much? Why would we not even consider waiting patient? And maybe it's just because patience is not something easily acquired. Now, maybe you heard the word there I'm trying to focus upon for just a moment, thinking, did you just say acquired? I can actually maybe acquire patience? I mean, how could I possibly have patience? I mean, can I acquire that? To explain that, then, we have to go back now and define patience. And patience is maybe arguably best defined or described simply as this, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay or to accept and tolerate trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. I think there's a great definition of patience. But also notice how historically the word patience comes from the Latin word potentia, which means basically suffering, which also gives us the word patient, referring to someone who has been sick or injured or someone who is a patient now for a doctor or in a hospital, or even a dentist. We become patients of those people. Different meaning of the word. But notice with our definition of patience, notice the word capacity. As in the ability or the capability to possess patience, nearly implying it is a learned virtue or skill or behavior or characteristic we can have. Dr. Judith Orloff is a professor of psychiatry at UCLA. I was reading a little bit about her work this week. She said, as a psychiatrist, patience is an invaluable skill that I teach all my psychotherapy clients. I emphasize the importance of patience as a coping skill and how to achieve it. Frustration is not the key to any door. Patience is a lifelong spiritual practice as well as a way to find emotional freedom. Well, I was reading. It, I thought, well, that's an interesting comment. I mean, by I mean, it's a professor of psychology at a major university, and, and obviously she's implying that patience is a skill that can be taught, that can be learned. But I thought, well, what's the scripture? What, what what does the Bible maybe say about patience, or or how does the Bible maybe define patience? And I found in a complimentary uh, suggestion to be able to define patience by looking at Martin Manser's work in the Dictionary of Bible Themes, because he states this then. He said, the quality of forbearance and self-control, which shows itself particularly in a willingness to wait upon God and his will. That's patience. He said, believers are called upon to be patient in their expectations of God's actions and in their relationship with one another. Well, I look at manster's comment, and I'm thinking, that's pretty astute. I mean, that's an excellent observation about patience. I mean, note, if you see it again behind me, how he just emphasizes that the believers are to not only wait upon God, but also believers, you and I, we should be waiting patiently in their expectations of God's actions. You, know, you maybe saying, okay, I don't know where you're going yet, and I I see that behind you. But what does that mean? And what it means is that so often we become before the Lord in prayer. We petition something, ask God for whatever. And then when it doesn't seem to happen in our timing, we become impatient. And we begin to act and and help God. I mean, if you will, it's similar to Abraham and Sarah who were told they were going to have a son but in their expectations of the allotted time frame to have the son it didn't happen so they acted maybe they were impatient maybe they acted and so what you find in the scripture is that when they were told to Abraham and Sarah were gonna have a son it didn't happen the way they thought in the right time frame Sarah gave Abraham her husband her maidservant Hagar. I suggest to you perhaps they waited impatiently. So here then, Mansur's comment kind of applies, I meaning believers, yes, should wait upon God in his will. And then likewise, believers are called upon to be patient in their expectations of God's actions. God's going to give you a promise. God always keeps his promises, but it'll be in his timing. Not yours, not mine, and not the world. So in that time frame and the interim, it's to practice and exercise patience, to wait upon the Lord. I found another little commentary definition I'd like to share with you about patience. It comes in the Baker Encyclopedia by the works of Walter Elwell. He observes that patience is an ability to take a great deal of punishment from evil people or circumstances without losing one's temper, without becoming irritated and angry, or without taking vengeance. It includes the capacity to bear pain or trials without complaint, the ability to forbear under severe provocation, and the self-control which keeps one from acting rashly even through suffering opposition or adversity. A lot of things are mentioned there by Elwell. And it would take time to maybe dissect that. But as I read that comment late last week, in fact, honestly, it was even Saturday, I was thinking about the comment. It made me think of a situation that unfolded and occurred Friday evening. In which I, yours truly, lost my patience. Here's the situation: Over the weekend, we had a Relay for Life event. We had a soup supper. It happens to be we have Super Sunday now, and we strategically positioned Super Sunday for our church after we had our soup supper for Relay for Life for American Cancer Society. So. In our effort to make awareness to the soup supper, we place out a lot of relay relay for life signs. So it has the time, the place, and things like that posted about what we're going to be doing our, our soup supper. We have these relay signs that we set out weeks ahead to get people's attention, and we have the smaller signs we set out on Friday evening. And honestly, I'm never very patient about setting out this group of signs on Friday night to draw awareness to what's happening on a Saturday. So it happens to be that Friday evening, oh, when I get off the bus about 4.30 or so, Sheila and I embarked, We embarked on throughout town, throughout the school, to lay these signs out to let people know, again, about the Relay for Life Soup Supper event. It was a great event. I mean, ultimately, we raised $8,000 just yesterday for American Cancer Society. I mean, it's a huge success. But Friday evening, Sydney these signs out, I kind of lost it. Okay, it, it takes too long. I mean, it, it's worthy to do it, to draw people's awareness to where it's going to be. I get that. But it just takes too long. And, and and as was happening, I knew I still had to do the PowerPoint and things for today. And I'm thinking, this is taking way too long. Sheila was not doing it right. And so all these things was happening. Okay, and and I just got impatient. I just kind of lost it. And and she gives me, I hate it, she gives me that look. You know, men, have you ever got the look? Oh, yeah. When you know you really kind of messed up, and you can't take it back because you just acted stupidly. So that was happening to me Friday night. And and so I recognized, thinking, okay, here's the illustration of people on Sunday morning because I just got stupid, and I was impatient, about these signs. I mean, it's just signs for an event to draw people's awareness to the fact we're having a soup supper. It's not that big a deal, but it was for me apparently. And she just wasn't doing it right. Did I say that? Okay. So, I mean, it considering the elbows comment, then I'm, I'm looking at this comment and I see what's happening. And I see I became irritated too quickly, very quickly. Again, things were going as planned. If I was taking too long, I knew I still had stuff I had to do once I got home, and I was just ready to get it done. So I reacted impatiently, not exercising my capacity or the ability to be patient. I did not maintain self-control, and I reacted rashly. And yeah, I got the look. But I asked myself, am I the long-ranger? I mean, does, does that just ever happen to just me? Or do many of us sometimes react similarly, Where we get impatient about something happening, and it just doesn't seem to go right, and we just can't stand it, and we lose control, and react rashly. But I got thinking about it, I'm thinking, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I, I got thinking, there's got to be people other than me that loses our patience at times. So I'm I'm thinking about it and I'm I'm thinking, why is it, why is it, why do we as people today react rashly? Why did I, why do we react rationally, seemingly lacking patience? Why? And I think it's a question that begs exploration. But maybe the answer is not some deep and something philosophical. Maybe the answer to the question of why we seem to be rash and lose patience is maybe we just simply ignore the Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit, we're just ignoring it. Or better yet, maybe it's just something as simple as why we act rashly and get impatient because we take our eyes off of Jesus. Now with that possibility in mind, because earlier I had mentioned that patience is a behavior that could be acquired. So now I go back to the question then, how would a person acquire patience? If it's something that can be taught, something that can be learned, how would I acquire patience? I'd rather just be an old. And I mean, we can't, I mean, as I've heard over and over and over again, maybe you have too, we, we can't just pray for patience, right? We We can't say, God, give me patience. I mean, I've been told you should never do that. I mean, Christian conversations were told, never ask God for patience, or he'll give it to you. Or more simply, do not pray for patience. But why? Why not pray for patience? And it just seems then that people answer is that when someone wants to grow in patience, and they ask God to give them patience, God will give them more difficult situations that force them to be more patient. And nobody wants that, right? So it seems we just don't pray for patience. Or, or, or if we do, more trials But then the question is, well, how does someone then acquire patience? I mean, if patience is something that we as believers should possess and then exercise, how do we become patient people? Those are the questions hand, And they're interesting questions. J.I. Packer and others that composed the New Bible Dictionary state that biblical patience is a God-exercise or God-given restraint in face of opposition or oppression. Now note and observe here, he says god exercised and God-given. I mean, does that mean that patience comes from God? Because we just acknowledge that we should not pray for patience. So, I mean, how do we unpack and how to make sense of Packer's statement? And maybe we make sense of, the, of, of a statement and the patience being God exercised and God given by recognizing simply that developing patience in your life or mine is certainly something that God can help you with. And that being patient or exercising patience is easier when you focus upon God and commit, I can fully submit to Him And let it be God that rules. Like, don't be such a control freak. Because when we tend to want to control things, we seem to become easily upset or frustrated. And very impatient when things don't go our way as we plan. In fact, by focusing upon your relationship with God and submitting completely to Him, there's actually three biblical ways that emerge to help us develop or acquire patience. And here they are. Number one, be thankful that trials produce patience. I mean, no one wants to undergo suffering or trials and hardships and certainly without some expected result. So just be be thankful that you have trials. And secondly, just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, look to Jesus. Three maybe simple things to help us develop or acquire patience. Because in short, patience is, as they say, a virtue. It takes a lot of effort to develop patience. But thankfully, we are not left on our own to work it out. So number one, again, must be thankful the trials produce patience. As I mentioned, no one wants to undergo suffering or any hardship, any kind of difficulty without any expected result. I mean, no one wants to endure pain. No one wants to have hardship. I get that. I understand that. I don't want it. I don't want it for anyone else. There's always something much more entertaining than to have to go through some hardship or some trials and difficulty. I can think of a lot better things to do than to go through hardship. But it kind of comes to the territory if you want to have patience. For example, bodybuilders lift heavy weights to develop muscles. Athletes exercise and practice to get better at their sport. Even artists practice and hone their skills for their particular craft. So in the same way, then, trials and hardships and difficulties has developed patience. Perhaps that is why older people have more patience than younger people. Now, I'm not long on patience. Would you say, Kayla? I'm not long on patience. Neither is she. Nobody in my family would label me a patient person. But, looking at, but at the same time, hopefully, they would recognize that I'm more patient as I'm getting older. And yeah, I had the incident Friday night, and they're probably going to be flare up between now and the next time I see you, perhaps. Okay? But hopefully, these moments are becoming fewer and fewer in number. As I'm getting older and experiencing different things in life, hopefully, I'm developing, maturing, and growing in patience. And getting less frequent when I am impatient, Because it will so often happen. I mean, as life happens, as we experience life, setbacks do occur. I mean, life does happen all around. us. setbacks do occur. Trials, tribulations come. And ultimately, patience then begins, or should, begin to grow and mature. Because you think of it this way, then, the more trials we face, the more opportunities we get to develop patience. That's what James says in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I like the King James. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I mean, basically, James is, the, is telling us that patience is also defined as perseverance, I mean, constancy in labor or exertion. And the quality of bearing offenses and injuries without anger or revenge. Even when people take your land, as may be happening in the text, or simply when people, for whatever reason, just don't do what they're supposed to do. When people don't do, maybe you've experienced this, when people don't do what they're supposed to do, it becomes very frustrating. We become quickly agitated, but we should exercise patience even in that moment when people don't do what they're supposed to do. She's been mentioning a couple of different times now of how we've been remodeling our house. And let me just say there's been times remodeling and has led to impatience, mostly her part. Okay, she's not she's not in here right now. She's probably getting food ready, but you know. It, it, which, which shows how impatient she is, right? Because she's about to get food ready right now. But but we've been remodeling this house, and there have been episodes of some impatience, some sort of frustration. But we're, you know, we're about to completion, so it's kind of dissipated a little bit. But but here's the thing. In the midst of the remodel, as you many of you know, we recently purchased a new house. It's not really a new house. It's a better word. It's a different house. In fact, it's a house that Miles Ziegler used to own. We are going to be living in that house. And and. and in the midst of, the of, of having the house, and the house has more room, it's got a larger yard, almost an acre. It, it, the best part really is it's out of town. We live on Ray Street in Princeton, which is appropriately named. It is Ray Street, and people do go excessively all day, all night long on Race Street. So we've moved to the country, so to speak. But during the process of the paperwork to buy the house, the bank that we initially went to, we we offered this house early November. And in the bank we went to initially, not once, but twice, they messed up the paperwork. One time they gave us a loan paper with a 100% interest. I'm thinking, you're, you're absurd. Who would actually sign this document? It was crazy. So he messed up the paperwork at least twice. And, and we could even become impatient and agitated and frustrated over everything he was doing wrong. He was not doing it right. He wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. We finally got the keys last Wednesday to the house. We had purchased or offered in early November, over three months to get the house because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. We actually changed banks and went to a different, different places to actually get it done. They got it done in eight days. The house right down the block from us had an offer made and had it, they moved in less than a month. So when things like that begin to happen, we just get impatient normally. Now, for us, we weren't in a hurry, and we didn't become impatient for a situation, we could remodel our house anyway. But things like this happen. I mean, I've talked before about how long lines at fast food restaurants, which us very impatient, don't they? Or, or, or just sometimes... If somebody is continuing to drive in the left lane on the highway, a four-lane highway, and they keep in the left lane, going slower than the traffic, we get impatient. It just tests your patience on these kind of things. And all the myriad of failures then, from the lack of receiving the meat results, has frustration and disappointment. And you can drive yourself crazy, even become irritable, even victimized by trying to force it out with the lack of patience. But what we've learned then, as weird as it sounds, we should be grateful for these things as they occur. As trials occur, they appear, they come in life, we should be grateful because ultimately it produces patience. The second thing also we found in the Help Develop Patience, we mentioned simply cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Since patience, or sometimes words of suffering, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It just makes sense that we must cooperate with Him to develop patience in our lives. Corinthians, I mean Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is this: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's all the things from the fruit of the Spirit. So observe then that since patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And since he is in us, right, as believers, he will bear his fruit in us. I mean, there's no magical, mystical matter at all, but rather logical and scriptural. Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit will guide us. In John 16, 13, he said the Holy Spirit will guide us to all truth. Even in John 14, 26, he said the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus said. So in short, as simple as this, the Holy Spirit will simply tell us what should do? And we should obey. We should obey what the Lord Jesus taught. And if we obey him and submit to him, we'll soon have fruit of the patience, according to what we learned in Galatians 5.23. Just cooperate and listen to the Holy Spirit. And finally, real quickly, is look to Jesus. Here's the thing. If we want to develop patience in ourselves, We need to look no further than the ultimate model of patience, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's no one who has ever illustrated, demonstrated patience more than Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the of God. Jesus Christ is the perfect model of patience. And God would like for nothing more than us to be like him. And the more we become like Christ, the more we will have patience. We'll have patience over ourselves and our actions, our families, our friends, people who we don't even know or people who just hate us. We become patient with them because Christ was patient with all of us and we can learn patience from Him. God calls for all of us to be more like Jesus who demonstrated great patience during his earthly ministry. By studying Christ's example, by studying the life of Jesus, understanding what the Bible says about patience, and just personal reflection and examination of our lives, one can grow in biblical patience. Even if it's a struggle, and it probably will be, you can still acquire and develop patience. Look to Jesus, the model, The ultimate model of patience. Look to Jesus. So the last question is, do you want or desire patience? Do you desire or want to be a patient man or patient woman able to persevere quietly in the midst of challenges? They're going to happen. They're going to come. And you should be wanting to have patience when they come. Because having and exercising patience makes you more like Christ. As I mentioned earlier, it's a fast-paced, all-about-me, 5G, I-don't-get-it world that we're living in. Everything seems to be at your fingertips in moments. So because of that, we become impatient. But we need to be different, noticeably different than the world. And we need to be patient. I mean, think of it this way. Exercising patience can be very rewarding. And they consider that every one of us, everyone in this room that's looking, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, every one of us in this room must be patient in the fact that we have to await our great heavenly home. It's a promise. We're going to receive it. But we have to wait patiently for the Lord. I mean, God is patient with us. And maybe it's completely obvious. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I mean, God is obviously patient with us. So shouldn't we be like God and exercise patience? The answer is yes, we should be, and yes, we can. Father, Lord, we thank you for this message today as we learn, discuss what is patience. Lord, I pray for myself and for all of us to be patient people. I'm not praying for patience, Lord, mind you. I'm just praying that you help us develop patience. Lord. Help us be people, Lord, that are anxiously awaiting you, but also waiting upon you. We we pray today that you help us maintain self-control to not become irritable, to not act rationally. Lord, help us if we even begin to have some impatient qualities and tendencies to reflect upon your son and to follow his lead and the model he gives us of being a patient person. Lord, help us live a life radically different than this world, in this fast-paced environment we're living in. Let us not become frustrated. Let's reflect upon the moment and maintain that self-control we should. We cannot do this alone, Lord, but we know with your help, we can. We thank you for the message and what Lord tells us today about patience. In Jesus' name we pray.